Hey everybody, welcome to episode 35 of So I've Been Told. My name's Adam Kramer, and this is my podcast where I talk to cool people who uh, mostly make music or podcast or other cool things. My guest on this episode is Josiah Hughes, most notably of the much more successful podcast than this one, Blink-155. He's also been in some bands like Prenup and Grown Ups, and in typical Blink-155 fashion, we don't really talk about Blink-182 very much on this episode, uh, but we did talk a lot about 90s uh, Christian punk and indie rock, and uh, just kind of the ridiculousness of the whole Blink-155 experiment, I guess you could call it, and... So, I hope you guys enjoy this one. I know I had a lot of fun recording it. And before you hear our conversation, you are going to hear Booger Snot, or Booger Snot, as Josiah would say, play Go, uh, which that is Josiah's Blink-182 cover bands, um, and Go is obviously a Blink-182 song. So, enjoy. Tell me how you uh, first got into. I basically rip off Damien Abraham, is what I do. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, so tell nice. me how you first got into you know punk rock and underground music and punk broadly and all that. Okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I I'm sorry I don't remember like where you live or anything. I, I just want to remember who you are. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm Adam, and uh, What's up? <laughs> I'm in uh, Rochester, New York. So. Oh, cool. Pretty okay. much, uh, just you know, just over the, over the lake from where Sam is. Right. Okay. That makes <laughs> sense. Is that like, uh, is that by Buffalo or no? Yeah, like an hour away from Buffalo. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. 
Nice. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So I, I just was trying to remember. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> uh, yeah. To answer your question, I guess like my first introduction to punk music was definitely through my dad. Like I'm the oldest brother in my family, so I didn't really have any okay. like uh, older brothers to show me cool shit. But my dad was always like, like he grew up being really into prog music and really into like. Um, like he's very musically minded, but also like very kind of he's into like I guess for lack of a better term subcultures and stuff. So okay, um, he I remember him showing me like we got a documentary from the library that was about punk, and that's how I learned about the Sex Pistols. Um, and then he also uh, I remember going on like a when I turned sixteen, we took a Greyhound to San Francisco together to visit his sister and he took me to amoeba and bought me a bunch of stuff and i remember getting like an mxpx cd from the use section so it's kind of like those are my earliest from the very beginning i i knew about the sex pistols and mxpx which is already kind of uh weird opposites i guess yeah um Uh, yeah and then from there like i i he took me to see some shows like he took me to see mxpx um he worked at a christian university at the time and so when i was like really young he would take me to the shows that they put on there which was kind of like just after the golden era of tooth and nail so i'd see uh, all kinds of cool bands there um and then he started taking me to like local shows a little bit and then kind of like i'm and then i just kind of met all my friends and we started putting on local shows in our city and stuff so yeah it was definitely like a little bit through uh like my dad showing me cool things and then a lot through kind of christian music i guess yeah and so you grew you know obviously you talk on uh blink 155 about like growing up in church just out of curiosity what's uh like what denomination is your your background in uh there was like all different ones kind of but um most recently my family before they planted that they have their own church now which is kind of like outside of a denomination but okay. they were connected to like vineyard okay that's yeah. that's why i asked because i was on staff at a vineyard church here in rochester oh, really? um and like booked like diy shows like there like for years so i was uh, and I, I remember you mentioned at one point something about mumford and sons being connected to vineyard and i was just like oh shit like I wonder if it's like a vineyard connection. So that's yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, I'm, it's kind of cool. The, the like, um, <clears throat> like when I was a kid, it was through. Uh, I'm trying to think, like Pentecostal uh, youth conventions and stuff. Is yeah, how I was seeing shows, and then like uh, when we went to a Baptist church, I would book shows there. So it was kind of yeah. like it seemed like back then, like every church was trying to book shows. Yeah, um, but vineyard is so like. It's like Vineyard has like its own wing of the music industry. I feel it's, like yeah, it's it's weird because like Syracuse Vineyard used to do like well they just did uh um one of their they they're like a multi site thing and they did like the big Syracuse New Year's Day hardcore show that no warning headlines um, and that was by the Vineyard yeah it was it was one of the like Vineyard Syracuse sites that so it was like them and uh like Wildside played. Which was, oh my god, like, that's so sick! Yeah, it was, they didn't, it was I'm super sure they sick. Didn't realize they're playing a vineyard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, and I, I, I like, like I said, I was just curious because I, I remember you mentioned about like Mumford and Sons connection to vineyard. Yeah, and I was just and like, this was in BC, and like I think the vineyard that that we went to when I was a teenager or like later teenager, um, I think they were like pretty 
strongly tied to like some huge Vineyard hit songs that were written. Because like okay. there was a time yeah. when Vineyard was like writing the the big worship songs. Like I've been to some people's houses where they have literally like platinum records on the wall because <laughs> they've written a worship song. Yeah, <laughs> pretty that's, sick. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Like I'm like still like very like loosely connected. Like I because I was I was a worship pastor. Oh, okay. Um, so like I was at some of the you know things with some of those people. So no, that's uh, kind of just a weird side note. But I was just I was always like I, like I said I was always just curious because yeah. Well, also like most it's funny because when you're in it, it, it's almost like a subgenre of music or something. Like it's like it actually really matters what denomination. You're yeah, from. It, it means all kinds of different things. But everyone else is like. Like from outside of it, they're like, "Oh, are you Catholic or are you Protestant?" You're like, no, you don't get it. It's like every single thing could be interpret interpreted differently by yeah these different groups of people. So yeah, so I know. I mean, I know because I'm a nerd and I've listened to most. Like, I've listened to all of the the Blink 155 episodes, uh, so I know a little bit more than you know other people that haven't listened to all of that. But. uh so your your first was your first band the band that you played in with your dad? Yeah, yeah, I played in a band with my dad and my brother uh, when I was like probably thirteen, I think. Okay. Um, and we like we only just played at the like, university that yeah. he taught at like twice, and then um, after that we like my brother and I got really into like I guess hardcore, but like definitely through Solid State Records and stuff. Yeah. And that's, simultaneously also i was like obsessed with the locust and the blood brothers so it's kind of a mess of music but uh yeah we stopped doing that and like started a band called the hand with our friends it was kind of like i guess i don't i mean i don't know it's i don't know what it was it was like a little bit metalcore and a little bit like uh the locust or something yeah what was that and what was the name of the did you did you say the name of the band you were in with your dad uh it was called zed zero okay i don't know if we, like it's like not really a thing that yeah we didn't like record or anything. It was kind of like as we were learning our instruments, we 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 would jam. Like we used to just like have like actual like jam sessions in our basement all the time when when we were learning our instruments, and we would just like play for hours, like me and my brother and my dad. So yeah, um, yeah. But no, we didn't really like. It was it was super early on in my life. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, what did the, what did it sound like? I mean, I, I know you mentioned that you played with with Pedro the Lion, which is yeah, obviously like, super sick. Yeah, I don't know if you can imagine like a thirteen-year-old boy obsessed with Modest Mouse, and then having a dad who loves Prague, and then a drummer like he was playing bass and and synth sometimes, and then my brother was just like, he actually my brother, uh, his drum teacher was from the Vineyard, and he was like a famous, like he played on some of their hottest releases or whatever. <laughs> but he's also like, I'm pretty sure, like I don't know for sure, but. Uh, allegedly or i got the vibe that he was like pretty coked up all the time um but he also my brother this same guy was the drum teacher of nick from baptist and uh oh, okay sick tumac and stuff so like it's again everything comes back to the to the vineyard um but uh yeah i can't remember the question oh what did it sound like it was really yeah. weird it was like uh I don't know. I was obsessed with Modest Mouse. My dad was like very musical and proggy, and it was just kind of like all over the place. And I remember uh, David Bazan said that it reminded him of Fugazi, but I'm sure he's like that's just kind of like a go-to thing to say. <laughs> it was just like what it was like a very it was a first band. Kind of yeah, thing. I mean it's it's still 
it's still pretty sick that that Bazan said that. I mean, yeah. Well, like <laughs> like I feel like I was really blessed to kind of with my dad teaching at the university, and then um, I got to know like so many older students who showed me all kinds of cool shit, and then like I saw Pedro the Lion like probably ten times around the time of Winners Never Quit and yes. uh, Control. Like I saw him play like before the songs from Control had lyrics when he was trying out new lyrics live and and when like Death Cab for Cutie was opening for him like yeah. and I was like just like a teen like it was super cool to <laughs> to be around in that era. Yeah. Also, a, a side note: uh, Did you see or hear about Ben Gibbard playing the uh, on his live stream? He played the the Bone song from oh, yeah. I, I think you should leave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Another uh, another gem that I discovered because of Blink One Fifty Five is that show. Oh, sick! Yeah, it's uh, literally like taken over my life. <laughs> like my girlfriend and I, I don't think we go like five minutes without referencing something from that show. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, so the hand. Did you guys record anything? Is there anything online that remains yeah. of that band? Yeah. We did a split CD with our friends from 100, which was like the other band from Abbotsford at the time. That was like our, we were kind of like a annoying gang of <laughs> little <laughs> youth group rats, but that would just kind of dick around. Um, we did a, a split CD with them, like a, what are they called? Fan CDs? It was like a, a it's like a three inch CD, but then the rest oh, of it is yeah. beer. Yeah. That's, that gives you an indication of the era of music that it was in. Um, so we did that with them, and then we recorded an EP after that as well. Um, that just never really we didn't do anything with. But I have put it on Bandcamp since oh, the blog because there's yeah it's really weird. There's like a <laughs> tiny tiny cluster of people who like want to hear everything that I did when I was a kid. I guess because I talk about it so much. But. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know if I, I'm not, like, I'm not, like, obsessed with trying to listen to everything, but I, like, I like linking all the old bands, yeah, um, the sure. people yeah, I have, have on the pod, um, just, I don't know, like, a lot of this, sometimes I feel like I'm just, like, shouting into the void and nobody gives a shit about my podcast, but, like, I like the idea that, like, uh, you know, that at least you know you're you're telling your story and it's recorded. Not that you aren't already doing that, right. but uh, yeah. I mean, apparently I can just talk forever. I didn't realize, but I can, <laughs> so it's fine. Um, yeah, yeah so we, we recorded two things and we played like all the time, but um, we never tour? really toured because okay. I was like too yeah. stupid to figure out how to do it. And I worked at Little Caesars and a Bottle Depot back then. I didn't have any money ever and. I don't know. It just wasn't really a thing. We just played in around Vancouver all the time. But yeah. Uh, what came What came next after the hands? Um, so we quit the hand, and then I met my wife, my now wife, and we just kind of like I just like stopped playing music for a little while, and then we ended up getting married, and then me and her and my brother had a very very short lived pop punk project called Sticks. Like it, it was supposed to be like the. <laughs> S-T-Y-X, but it was spelled S-T-I-C-K-S. Yeah. Um, so we played around Vancouver a little bit. Uh, and then Vancouver just became too expensive to live. So my wife and I moved to Calgary, which was, like, cheaper yeah. at the time. And then eventually we started a, a band there. Like, she had always wanted to learn the drums. And so 
we rented some drums and then as she was learning it we just kind of like started a sort of garage punk uh like proto hardcore kind of band called grown ups mm. that we did i think we did that for like seven years and then that was kind of like the first time i was adult enough I was like adult enough to be able to get a credit card to put a tour on it, but not adult <laughs> enough to realize that it was a terrible idea. <laughs> so uh, we did a bunch of touring and like self-released records and stuff, and I think it's all still sitting on my credit card unpaid from this, like, ten years ago. Well, um, you guys, you guys toured with? Didn't you do some dates with Fucked Up too? Yeah, we did. We did oh, like sick. half of. Um, yeah. We did from. If anyone's listening understands Canada, we did from Victoria to Winnipeg. Okay. Um, so it's like half of our country, basically. Yeah. But yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. And then prenup is also with your wife, correct? Was that the, yeah. and that's the next thing? Yeah, so grown-ups was like kind of like uh, just yelling and doing kind of like idiotic caveman three-chord punk <laughs> songs. But then I started like, like I always was just, when I was a kid, I was always even like jamming with my dad or my brother like there was a lot of melody and a lot of different styles of music and a lot going on and then i kind of just like turned away from that for most of my life and wanted to be loud and obnoxious so then with prenup the idea was like we're gonna make melodic music and like everyone in bands around us at the time was really into like quote rock and roll like uh i don't know just like guitar solos and shit and it was like really it was really embarrassing to me. Then I was like, I just want to make a band that sounds like Bell and Sebastian, like super wussy. So that was the initial goal. But then, um, my wife's like really <laughs> impatient in a good way. And so she just made the songs like really fast anyways. Nice. She just gets bored really easily and doesn't want to be boring, which I love about <laughs> her. But, um, so it kind of was like, there's this tension of trying to be melodic and soft, but also just being way too fast and loud. So that was the <laughs> last thing we did. And then when I moved from Calgary to Montreal, I sold all of my gear because we just moved on the plane. Yeah. So I don't have any, I don't even own a guitar right now. So um, I'm just like not making music and I kind of love it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, how did, how did, whose idea was Blink-155? Well, I, I figure like you probably did sell this on, mm-hmm. on the pod. Um, and how did you and, and Sam kind of come together for for this project so like um sam and i both work kind of or have worked for a long time like sort of in and in and around the canadian music industry um i've been working for like i currently work for exclaim mm-hmm. magazine which is kind of like canada's uh answer to consequence of sound or pitchfork or kind yeah. of i mean it, it's our own thing too but that's kind of what it is kind of like music news and reviews and everything and i've been working for them for like in some capacity for well over 10 years and sam used to work there too and then he's kind of like been all over the industry we also worked we also both worked at a place called ox magazine that doesn't exist anymore but the point is we've been aware of each other but we've never really like hung out like we had talked to each other like maybe three times before this um but i think he was just like had seen my writing and understood i guess my weird sense of humor and uh yeah i don't know he just like straight up he asked me to go on his old youtube show this exists because i had showed him this guy that reviewed 40s of beer on youtube (laughs) that i thought was really funny and so he asked me to come on that episode and then he was just like 
hey, that was really fun. I have this idea because basically the only, like, because we didn't know each other at all, the only way we had ever had conversations in the past was through our shared love of Blink-182. So yeah. that was, like, that was the only, t- like, the five times we'd spoken online or in real life was about Blink-182 in the past. So he's like, hey, yeah, that went really well on the show. Like, I had this idea for a podcast. We'll do every Blink-182 song, one a week. <laughs> um, do you want to do it? And I just, like, for, for whatever reason, five minutes later i was just like yeah i'll do or not even like i just like instantly he was like you should think about it because i don't want to half-ass it and i immediately was like yeah let's do it (laughs) and uh yeah i don't know i mean i thought i didn't think it was going to be what it's like now. (laughs) yeah it's like i it's it's such a weird premise and it's it just seems like it's uh grown you know what's uh do you know like how many you know how many downloads are you guys getting on an episode if you don't mind me asking i'm just curious yeah it's kind of hard to figure out and so we don't like to say publicly but it's like probably a lot more than anyone thinks (laughs) like it's like because the people online are like the most vocal supporters but there's definitely like 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 the example i always give is there's like there's someone i've never met before who lives in australia who has a Blink-155 tattoo. Like, that's, like, how ridiculous it is. Or, like, all, like... Like, even moving to Montreal, I was, like... I've talked about my mailman on the pod before, which, like, my mailman listens to the pod. Literally everyone in this city listens to it. And so it's kind of, like... It's ridiculous. I don't know. And so... And I think Sam and I both feel this way. Is like, we've tried really hard in bands in our life. And, like, you know, we've had a lot of fun. And it's been, like satisfying in its own ways but it's always kind of felt like not a little bit of an uphill battle or something to try to like yeah get people to care about your band and, and and you know like it sounds douchey but obviously everyone wants people to care about their band yeah like that's you can pretend you don't but you do so it's been like it's been all that kind of shit leading up till now and now it's like like we put out a compilation on cassette that sold out in one day or like you know <laughs> it's just like it's insane it's truly ridiculous yeah, um, and it's it's but it's also like so fun. I'm so thankful for it. So yeah, I don't know. have you uh, have you seen bumps in uh, you know your your streams with prenup or with? Uh... Well, the thing is, like, I don't like, I, especially prenup was like I actually like sort of grounded. I was like, okay, grownups is me just like getting drunk and just writing stupid songs. Prenup yeah. is like I'm gonna make sure that every song is like so sick. It's every song's my favorite song. <laughs> And it's going to be, like, the best shit ever. And then, of course, like, no one wanted to release it. And no one listened to it. And I was, like, <laughs> stuck with merch again in my house. So I just kind of, like, was so burnt out and stopped caring about music to begin with. But yeah. the people who did put out our shit that had piles of it have said that their people are finally mail-ordering some of it. So that's good, <laughs> I guess. Nice. But I have noticed, like, even at work, like, if I write some, if I write a news story about Tom DeLonge, then it's gonna like go crazy because all these Blink One Eight One Fifty Five fans are following us, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's it has taken over my entire life in every way, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you guys and you guys did a live show, correct? That was where was that? Yeah, we've done two. We did one in Toronto and one in Montreal. Yeah. Um, and we would love to do more. It's just like it's well, right now. <laughs> yeah, now we certainly can't. But we have started. We're doing uh, Twitch streams every Saturday now yeah. too. So we've been watching movies on Twitch, but yeah, we wanted to do more live shows because it was so fun, but um, we also just like don't want to like, I don't know, 
I, I don't want to do something like that and lose money. But yeah. then I just feel like I'm in a DIY band again. I, I'm <laughs> done my time with that. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough of that for a little while. Um, so we'll see. Like, it's just kind of like to make it so we're not losing money would would be too expensive, I think. Yeah. And also, I feel like it should be free because it's so stupid. So, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need, like, a big evil brand to pay for it. <laughs> so why is why do you think Montreal is, like, such a, like mecca for like pop punk uh i mean it's there's there's so many like extremely hip people here but there's also like so many people who have never shaved off their braided uh surge tankian goatee so it's kind of like (laughs) it's like there's like a circus school here like you'll see people like um unicycling down the street in the middle of a blizzard and there's, like, people juggling all the time. And, like, it's a fucking weird place. So it's kind of, like, I think that they just kind of, like, I think that there's no ironic appreciation of pop punk or of yeah. ska. It's all very sincere. Um, so I don't know. Like, that, honestly, that makes it even more confusing that people like the pod here because um, it seems like Montreal's very sincere about their love of corny 90s stuff. So Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel like you guys would, would probably kill if you did, like, like, you guys did a live pod like from Pooza fest or something like that like yeah yeah we had talked about it before but um i don't know like we'll see it's kind of th- things like that are um like the live show or even the twitch streams are like we just put such little effort into it yes it's i don't know the more we try with things the less that they pay off like this whole <laughs> project has been a lesson to never try and just do what comes naturally yes yeah. you're talking about blank when i do <laughs> Uh, now, do you, do you guys, like, have a plan for what you're going to do when this, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't have to give away your whatever, your, if you've got, yeah. but you have a plan for, like, a project that's going to come after yeah, Blink-155? We've been talking about some ideas. I think, obviously, we're not going to stop. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, it would be insane. To, like, I would love to just, like, walk away from it, but I'm not, uh. I'm not that smart or that uh, ruthless. Like I can't. I, there's no way I could give this up. It's too fun. But yeah. yeah, we have talked about some ideas for what to pivot it into. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, if Blink One Eight Two released more music, we'd have to come back and talk <laughs> about it. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, I just it's. I just can't like when I think about the whole thing, it just makes me smile because it's just <laughs> such a. It's so silly and so fun. <laughs> um, were there like were there other song by song podcasts about other bands? Yeah, there definitely were. And like honestly, th- to me, I-, I think that if like how do I how do I put this? I kind of think that like the premise of the podcast is the worst part of it. Like I feel like that would be boring by now if it was just yeah what it claims to be, and that's what it has been. The magic is like just watching it evolve, watching the way that, like, fans get involved and sort of contribute to the dumb jokes. Like, yeah. you know, I can just, like, say something in passing on the pod and then someone started a Twitter account dedicated to it or written a, <laughs> like, you know, written a comic strip or whatever. Like, it's, like, that's the best part of it. So I think there definitely are, and there's, like, in since us, there's been other ones that have started. Yeah. And then there's, like... um even just like I think maybe Sam said it was like Gilmore Guys before before us, but I'd never heard that one. But it's like two guys watch every episode of Gilmore Girls. Or something. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like, I feel like, ultimately, I, I didn't really listen to podcasts before this, and uh, I didn't really, it's just kind of doesn't really interest me that much. I feel like that it, it's just like, if you follow the format too much, it's such an easy way to settle into mediocrity. But luckily, mm-hmm. I've been blessed with extreme undiagnosed ADHD. So uh, <laughs> I'll, let a, I'll make sure that we don't stay on topic too long and then we'll keep <laughs> building this strange world that we're building. Yeah, I mean, it's it just seems like that. I mean, I, obviously, I knew that there were probably others that popped up before you guys, but it seems like, you know, because of Blink-155, there's others that have kind of yeah. popped up around that same uh you know the same premise and kind of in the same you know genre um yeah for sure yeah, yeah and i think there's like a, that's also like kind of good because there are people who do want to like really sincerely rank songs or talk about like just kind of there are people who have that like earnestness and i think sam has it a little bit too mm-hmm. more than me but um so i think it is good that those things exist for people who cannot handle our podcast. There are people who it's definitely not for as well. Yeah, I mean, I I've had an idea to start a like a Pedro the Lion podcast, but obviously oh, that would be, um, which everybody wants to talk about Bazan, and I would have no problem getting guests. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. It's gonna. It's the tone is definitely gonna be pretty earnest because those are all. Uh, well, he's also like such an earnest guy. Yeah. Um, I and I really want to get him on our podcast so badly, but I don't know if I'll be able to. It's like a tough sell. But I was hoping <laughs> since we had Phil Elverman on, I might be able to convince more like indie rock guys to come on. Yeah. I, I like. I just think it's also boring to have people who love Blink One Eight Two too much talk about it all the time. Like eventually, yeah. you just run out of things to say. But at least with Bazan, there's like, I mean, there's so many. There's so much depth to that discussion that you can have. Yeah. And so many things to get mad about or not get mad about. <laughs> um, but yeah, you'll have to have me on that one for sure. Yeah, I, I would what's definitely. Your fav- what's your favorite uh, PTL album? I love Control. Um, yeah. But I, I'm a big fan of. I, I celebrate his entire catalog. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't think there's. Even that, that weird headphones record, I think there's some incredible oh, yeah. songs on that. Um, totally. Shit Talker yeah. is one of my favorite songs of all time. That song's amazing. That album is so good, and um, because I was like so young and going to shows so much back then, I got to see the headphones too, which was so cool. Oh, that's, that's um, super rad. Yeah, like there was one time I saw Pedro Line at Western Washington University, and I remember the bass player had quit on the tour. And so leading up to that very show, this is in Bellingham, and I think it was with Death Cab for Kitty, like, around the, before We Have the Facts came out. Um, but in the van on the way to the show, he had recorded all of the bass parts into a mini-disc, and they were, like, playing wow. to a, the drummer and him were playing to a mini-disc recording of the bass. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Mini-discs are, what a weird uh, format that was. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I forgot that I was. I had another band before the hand. Uh, when I was like, it must have been. Okay, yeah. I've, maybe I've been revisionist about it. I think between <laughs> Z Zero and the Hand, I was in a band with like six or seven people from Abbotsford, and it was us like trying to rip off Godspeed You Black Emperor. Weird. Um, and every teen <laughs> has a band called Ministry of Love, named after 1984. That's what it's called. <laughs> 
it's like so I think I started off like very serious as a teen and then I've just kind of as I've gotten older I've gotten stupider and stupider and and I just sort of have a permanent grin now so I'd rather (laughs) listen to and make things that sound like pop punk did you guys did you guys like put out a mini disc or was that just a Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's what reminded me of it. The only recording that exists is uh, my dad recorded us on mini disc. I think he still has it somewhere, but I've never ripped it because I almost don't want to hear it because I don't want to hear like <laughs> preteen or teen, early teen me just being all serious about like the government <laughs> via instrumental rock. Yeah. How many? How many of those tapes did you guys do for the the uh, that compilation? Oh, the three punk lyrics. Yeah, it's a hundred of them only. Yeah. Um, which, like, again, in the past, doing 100 of something would have been like, okay, maybe we can do that. So I was just, like, overly cautious because I hate having to throw out or donate merch when I move. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it sold out, like, immediately. So it's kind of like, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting revenge on all the people who didn't buy my merch in the past by now <laughs> dangling it in front of them. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, we, we quote the, the fuck rules, fuck rule, uh, yeah, that whole... Uh, <laughs> Uh, fuck rules fuck books fuck rule books yeah it's so good we actually just i don't know when this is going to come out but we just recorded um the free punk lyrics like listening sam's listened to it for the first time oh wow patreon so we go through it track by track that'll be on our patreon on april 1st okay yeah this will be this will be after that i have been i've been recording so many podcasts because because you're just like quarantined and bored yeah i'm just like well and specifically, people not here in Rochester, because I want to talk to them in person. Right, so right. I've just been kind of, you know, hitting people up. I, I I talked to Leonor from Five Iron Frenzy. I've actually released that one already, oh, which was super shit. cool. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And did you ever listen to the band Last Tuesday? No. They put out a record on Mono vs. Stereo, uh, and uh, well, I think two records, and. Uh, I talked to one of the members of that band. And Matt Thiessen from Reliant K produced their one record as well. Okay, so are they, is that another, like, Christian yeah. band? Yeah. So, hang on. So you you were uh, a worship leader and then you're, you quit? Uh, yeah. It was a... Just a whole bunch of things happened and I kind of exited there. Um, still, you know, a little bit, like, kind of... Like, that church is actually transitioning a whole bunch i'm not really involved there anymore but um still you know connected to all of the people there and yeah nice so i you um, know i had been at some of the you know vineyard national conferences and i actually met the mumfords um really? like the, the parents yeah <laughs> Whoa. yeah i think i'm trying to think like they must be the most famous people to come out of like Christian, or at least worship music. They, yeah. They really, you never really jump from that realm to maybe if you grow up like if you start as a Christian artist like Katy Perry or something. Yeah, something, like but, Switchfoot or something like that. Yeah, or, exactly. But yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know too many people. Like I guess the other example would be Delir- Deliria Five, as I like to call them, <laughs> how they spell it. But uh, they definitely like popped off for a while. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Like. What about you? Was like that like a thing for you? Was like, did you learn about underground music through Tooth and Nail and stuff? Because I certainly did. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like that was, and I mean, I were you're what like thirty four, right? You're like a year yeah, older than me. Yeah, I'm I'm thirty three. So like, 
kind of growing up in pre-internet era, like, I mean, I, like, going to Christian bookstores and just, like, listening to stuff because it looked cool, because that's, you know, where my, you know, my parents would buy stuff, and then, like, I found stuff like, you know, you know, the more basic, mainstream, like, CCM magazine, but then also, like, HM magazine, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, you know, obviously reading all the liner notes and finding tons of bands that way. Um, and I'm still, like, I'm still kind of obsessed with Tooth and Nail. Um, are you in the, my, some of my friends and I uh, from Phone 100 are in a group on Facebook called Old School Tooth and Nail. Family. Yeah. Are you in there? <laughs> yeah, I'm in there. It's really good. It's yeah. so, like, it's, it's good for, like, so many reasons, but... Um, definitely like also because like with any group there's lots of infighting and bitchiness and stuff. <laughs> it's fun to watch it unfold well and <laughs> people will be like that's not a tooth and nail release that's uh you know whatever the supertones label was i can't remember what it's called right now but you know yeah like, be like, that wasn't tooth and nail that was whatever <laughs> so, well, well, and that's that's the thing like people like obviously like i feel like most of the people that are into that type of stuff are like like at this point most of them are just like normal people who like kind of cool music but then there's always, like, the contingent of, like, super self-serious, like, Christian music fans that take themselves so seriously and just say the dumbest shit and make themselves look like idiots, and it's or, hilarious. It's so good. Or they're like, I found a stack of unopened Joe Christmas CDs. How much do you think I'd get on eBay for this? So, like... <laughs> like nothing at all dude I, I have a friend i have a friend who loves joe christmas and for a long time like their seven inch apparently is worth a lot well, weirdly oh, enough. yeah I, actually the, yeah. every mxpx record on vinyl is worth so much money like i, I sold life in general for probably 60 or 70 dollars oh wow um but yeah joe christmas is sick to be honest yeah it's a shorthand thing like that they have that music video where they're um roller in a roller derby or something i don't know if you've seen that it's so good do you know who, do you know who produced that music video lance bangs really oh yeah. that makes sense i actually think joe christmas also was one of the many uh tooth and nail bands that wasn't actually christian they just didn't swear they well they, i think the one dude was actually recently on that bad christian podcast oh okay okay and like they like some of them were some of them weren't but then like he was like addicted to heroin for a little while like yeah and like wrote a book about like getting clean and stuff but uh yeah it's like i was oddly enough a friend of mine and i were watching uh jackass 3 the other day Uh, and uh you know obviously lance bangs is all over that because he's filming it and puking on the camera (laughs) Um, and i just i was just like oh shit and i'm like scrolling through his wikipedia and like it was like the second music video he made was that Joe Christmas video. I was like, that's that's so tight, so I had weird. No idea. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, because it also like it's just I think people don't care anymore now. But I remember like even when I was starting out as a music writer, people would be like, oh, we're not gonna. I would pitch like writing about me without you, and they'd be like, oh, we don't cover Christian music or whatever. Yeah. Um, but now I feel like everyone's more chill about it. But even then, back then too, is like they're someone who comes up all the time on Blink-155 is this guy, O, who is a San Diego producer. Um, and he, like, I think he did 
maybe Buddha or Cheshire Cat, some of those mm-hmm. tracks. But he also like produced like Soul Junk. I don't know if you're aware of Soul yeah. Junk, but that's like like he worked with Soul Junk. I think he was in a band with Glenn Galaxy actually. Okay. Um. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting, and I also just have such a soft spot for like genuinely interesting outsider christian artists a very yeah. few of which were ever on tooth and nail but definitely from there it's kind of a launch pad it's a yeah launch pad. were you a danielson fan uh i kind of was but i feel like i love danielson more in theory like i, I loved the documentary um, yeah and the, one of the drummers was wearing a blackjacks t-shirt which is uh got a shout out billy bones he's one of the coolest christian adjacent punk dudes ever like he would always play tom fest all the time um and and his band the pirates and then he had a band called the blackjacks and the someone in danielson in that movie is wearing a blackjack shirt so i was really sick yeah see them getting wrapped in there but um yeah i don't know like i I really like some danielson records but i find it kind of a little bit grating after a while but i think he's like such a cool dude yeah i saw i saw them open up well, it was it was me without you. I, I I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I saw me without you a whole bunch, and uh, I went to the release show for "It's All Crazy, It's All False." Okay. All, and uh, I'm not gonna say the whole name of the record because it's. <laughs> um, you know the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Danielson family like opened that up, and pe- there were a lot of very confused people, but it was it was pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful because i i definitely like think they're like in theory they're so cool but i just yeah. like remember putting on their records and wanting them to become my favorite band and it just didn't happen but um i don't know yeah i think that like christian music is so interesting and the stakes are so low because no one takes it seriously and then yeah. they become cooler but another band that i absolutely love that is like super christian is this band dry rot okay i don't, know, I don't know them before. They're like uh, they used to be in a band called I think Hit the Deck maybe okay. that was like on I think they were on Face Down but they were like uh, kind yeah. of more DIY not like not like super like aggro heavily produced hardcore like kind of yeah. more DIY punk hardcore band um, and then they started Dry Rot which I think is like sort of a ripoff of Saccharine Trust and like early SST oh, record sick. stuff but like very very out there um, but like straight up like it's just pure pure like theology basically like it's not even like christian music but then like the thing was when they came out this was like 10 years ago everyone was like fuck this is the coolest punk and hardcore (laughs) release of the year but it's christian i can't believe i'm listening to christian music i'm so bummed about it because it's like so sick and there's rumors that they would like throw bleach on the audience at their shows and stuff like they're wild yeah, um, but they're cool. Like, yeah, Dry Rod is one of the cool. I just love hearing like these bands that have these interesting stories. Another one that's my favorite. And I understand that it's like probably a joke, although I think they were secretly Catholic. But or, did you ever hear of the band Knights of the New Crusade? I've I've heard of them, but I've never listened to them. So they're like, um, like hardcore right wing like oh, a piece damn. of shit christian band like <laughs> like they're and they they played like they used to play shows with like the black lips and stuff yeah they're like a garage rock band and all their records came out on um jello biafra's label alternative tentacles okay. and so they would wear like full chain mail and night gear and like they were like <laughs> pro the crusades and stuff like it was like fucking dark and and uh 
I remember to get into their website, you had to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You had to click yes to get in. And then, so there's like already like, that's funny. Enough. Yeah. But then, first of all, their music was sick. Like it was really good, but like ridiculous lyrics against evolution or just like they're, they're really going the fundamentalist route. But then to make matters worse, they uh, took out an ad in HM magazine that said, please beheading to knights of the new crusade.com and it was one of them about to behead a guy for wearing a tooth and nail shirt because it said that he was like a lukewarm christian or something and then i think the guy from uh oh fuck who was it someone from like some tooth and nail band got so offended and wrote this huge op-ed about how <laughs> offended he was that hm had to publish it's this whole thing but it's like just these dudes having to laugh like yeah i think one of them's like catholic or something but they're not like I don't know. It's insane. Yeah. It's so weird. I heard some weird stories about... Uh, I love how this is just kind of going into like weird 90s Christian music. I love it. That's I, yeah, that's what I... Oh, it's the guy from Anne Berlin who got really, really offended by Nights <laughs> of the New Crusade. Okay. I, don't know if it's, I don't even know if HM, like if it's online anymore, but um, definitely like that's one of the most interesting yeah. things ever. A couple, at least a couple of years ago, it was... It had moved to all online because a hardcore band that I was in, uh, they reviewed us and said the wrong state. (laughs) Oh, shit, really? Yeah, I think they said we're from, like, Rochester, Minnesota, which is not where we're from, and it was, I mean, it was was a positive review, it's just they... What was your hardcore band? uh, It was called Rhema, R-H-E-M-A, which is does not have good seo um like because there's like a thousand like weird charismatic churches that that's their name oh really um yeah um but like we took it from that from like there's a zeo song called like 15 rama um and so we took it from the zeo song um but yeah they they reviewed our it's like the like that was like a big deal for me because like i like i said i grew up like that magazine was uh, yeah, it's so funny if, you, like, these things that don't matter to other people become, like, the only thing that matters. Like, you're just fixated on That happens to me all the time with different yeah. things. Like, someone else would be like, HM caught your city. Who gives a fuck? But for you, you're like, that's HM magazine. Yeah, like, that's that's where I learned about, like, almost everything I knew about, like, like punk subculture in the 90s other than, like, what was on TV. Right. Um, what are some of your other favorite tooth and nail bands? <laughs> Um, okay, definitely, like, when I learned, not Tooth and Nail, but when I learned about Soul Drunk, I was obsessed with yeah. that, and, um, like, Pedro the Lion, obviously, yeah. um, all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to think, like, in terms of actual Tooth and Nail, it's like, I just feel like Tooth and Nail is, like, shorthand for cool Christian indie music, but not necessarily, like, <laughs> not that good half the time and also obviously they got fucking horrible like oh yeah no there's tons of but it's terrible now yeah um, tons of bad shit on there it's all just like bands with lens flares in their photos <laughs> i think and i think it's the guy from demon hunter and training for utopia who i used to love Dude, i used to love training for utopia a lot that yeah training for utopia was so sick and, I saw uh, somebody online sure. compare the new Code Orange to Training for Utopia. Oh, yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, um, There was something else that was reminding me of Training for Utopia recently as well, too, but I, I can't think of it. Um, but I, I think I made a joke 
like that on Twitter that no one got because no one's heard Training for Utopia <laughs> before, but they're cool. Yeah. And I remember, that was huge for me was solid, the Solid State comps. I forget what, are they just called Solid, solid State? I think they were just, this is Solid State. Oh yeah, this is Solid yeah. State, yeah. Like, obviously songs from, from the penalty box was huge for me. Um, and then I remember this kid from my youth group being like, all these bands just wish they were corn, which I saw myself, like, as I got older and understood more, I was like, no, Training for Utopia was, like, actually, like, clearly deep into what they were trying to do. I knew exactly what they were trying to do. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I was always interested in, like, uh, I remember that finding out that there were Christian bands through, like, um, maybe, like, forums or or zines and stuff. There was a band called, like, Blue Mouse Theater, hmm. I think, from California. And they were, like, super weird, gothy, uh, like, post-hardcore stuff. And then... Um, Oh, well, of course. Like, I loved a good gimmick, and so the deadlines were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I saw the deadlines a few times when they came up to BC, and that was incredible. Um, <clears throat> obviously, MXPX2 was, like, huge for me, and I think yeah. so much MXPX still holds up in some I, way, even though it's, like, the worst case of pop-punk voice ever. I think that, like, if you look, like, based on consistency uh mxpx is a better band than green day um which yeah. like they have been way more consistent throughout their career uh, or just in terms of like aging gracefully like there's yeah. no there's no reason that a band like mxpx should be releasing their best album this like, like their newest one was one of their best albums yeah. for yeah. sure so it's like it's ridiculous yeah um i guess i i liked um roadside monument a lot that was yeah. like really cool introduction to that whole world and then i still love unwed sailor they're so sick yeah um Were, did you listen to 90 pound wuss i did yeah I yeah did. but I, I actually like and i think it's because the cds were like 27 dollars or something at the christian bookstore <laughs> i kind of just like could only afford to get into certain things like i probably would have loved the later 90 pound wuss and yeah. the you know, Wrath of Dead Monkeys and all that stuff, but I just couldn't afford it, and my friends were into it, and I, and then by then, I was, like, getting into, like, the Blood Brothers or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, the first 90 Pound Voice I thought was so cool, and I still think, in my head, I don't want to listen to it, because it probably sucks, but in my head, it's, like, <laughs> as good as The Descendants. <laughs> Dude, have you seen the, the Raft of Dead Monkeys documentary? No, I haven't. Dude, I'd love to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the link. It's... It's super. It's super cool. It's. It's. I mean, that. Ba- I wonder if some of my friends are in it because my a lot of the people that I grew up with in Abbotsford were like obsessed with them and with Frodus. Like they yeah. have like Frodus tattoos and stuff, which I'm sure not many people have Frodus <laughs> tattoos, but they would always go down to to watch Rats and Dead Monkeys. So I wouldn't be surprised if they if they pop Good. up in there or something. But I'd love to see it, and I did listen to, I like. The few times I do listen to podcasts, I think it's the most interesting and surreal to listen to Mike Herrera's, and I listen to Jeff Suffering yeah. on his podcast, and then I listen to David Bazan on his podcast. And I'm like, it's too, <laughs> it's like wires getting crossed from, from buried memories as a child or something. Yeah. It's so weird, but yeah, it's, I don't it's, know. It's surreal too that like Jeff Suffering went to work for Mars Hill Church. Yeah, well, and I mean, Dustin Kensrue was one of the worship pastors at Marcel for a while as well, which is also real strange to me. Um, That's like a straight-up megachurch, right? Yeah, and like very Calvinist. Okay. Uh, like, and, and like very, like, uh, about 
gender roles and like not about women in leadership, yeah, which is right, like right, right, okay. like and they had super. That dude there that would swear all the time. Yeah, which I mean that's that's fucking sick, that's, but like yeah, I think that's fine. But <laughs> I remember that everyone was always up in arms. What's that guy's name again? Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really. I think it's really like funny and interesting to just kind of have this secret well of knowledge that no one I ever talked to <laughs> like cares about. But I'm like, you guys don't even know about like Rob Bell and Numa and how everyone's <laughs> mad about that guy all the time. Or like the the hell doesn't exist movement or whatever. Like, yeah. It's just, like, it's just there's so much drama and insanity and also like things that mirror regular pop culture going on in this like it, it still feels like there's a secret underground of christian christian subculture that i just think it's it just makes me laugh so much yeah yeah it's it's uh it's silly um <laughs> especially like with how serious going back to what i was saying about the people in the group like people just take themselves so seriously and they yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. It's great though. <laughs> I, I'm I'm thankful that I'm aware of both sides. Although I wish I still knew more about like I don't know who's the. I wish I could tell you like who's the new Hillsong right now or something. <laughs> like who's like what city's like popping off with uh, the same with or without you chord progression. It's it's probably it's probably like Hillsong whatever the. Uh... They just come out with like a new project with another name tagged onto it like every right. five years. Yeah. Yeah, or, um, like, I guess Bethel was popping for a little while. Yeah. Um, which is, like, so when we toured down the West Coast with grown-ups, we were, like, so broke and just, like, drunk all the time. It was, like, just, like, a sort of disastrous alcoholic vacation, basically. <laughs> um, and then we ended up staying at this, like, because through through my brother uh, knew some people. He had some friends from, like, going to a... A Bible college for the summer or something so yeah. we ended up staying at like a Bethel like dorm basically like while we're on tour with our punk band it was just so funny like these two kids with us who've never been to church in their life like trying to understand even just like the haircuts are so different like everything about it is just like so different yeah it's just this foreign world yeah uh, I, I don't know I love it I, I've joked before that I think I have Praydar where I can like tell if somebody has a Christian past. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and that's it's it was interesting kind of booking just regular DIY shows in a in a church space because like so many people had no connection to that, and it, like I rarely ever the only like Christian bands I booked were ones that were my friends. Like I didn't like right. you know, and still I don't really book very much, but like I still like. The only, like, Christian artists that I ever book are ones that are, like, people that I'm already friends with. Yeah, yeah. But it does kind of seem like maybe more in the northeast quadrant of America that I feel like I've heard of shows being booked in churches for a long time. Whereas I feel like in western, in the northwest and in western Canada, people were way more against that. And even, like, one of the first shows my dad took me to was to see figure four at this oh, uh, legendary venue, legendary to us at least, uh, yeah. called the Java Joint outside of Vancouver, which was just like a regular coffee shop. But I remember like figure four played, there was no one there, um, and they still did like an altar call. But also there's people in the lobby like handing out um, pro-choice pamphlets. And I was yeah. probably like 12. I was just like so confused. But just the fact that they were on a Christian <laughs> label, I think, was already had people like 
there's just this like sense of I'm not sure conflict I guess in the air. Yeah. So which weird. is also like I I totally get it. And yeah. Also, we're a lot shittier. Like I think most people. Well, I don't even. I mean, I don't even know if there's like any cool bands that would say. Well, I guess they would never have said that they're a Christian band. They would have said we're Christians in a band, of course. <laughs> it's the classic line, but I don't even know. Like, I feel like that doesn't exist anymore because people are just like quiet about it because it's so mortifying to associate yourself with that. Yeah, well, and I think it's. It, I mean, a lot of that's political. I think it's nobody wants to be associated with evangelical culture anymore. And yeah. people are more. I mean, you know, there's people like Sufjan Stevens who like openly talks about his faith but is like openly progressive um, yeah exactly so it's like i don't know i i mean i think it's a positive thing because it's like that like bubble like as much as i love to laugh at it um it was you know there's a lot of like damaging shit that came out of it yeah definitely um, i mean I, I was really uh i guess i kind of had that realization when i was reading some of the as i lay dying stuff when that dude like was just about to go to prison and he's like yeah i've just been pretending like this whole time or whatever I, don't, yeah. I forget exactly what he said but he was basically like the bands that were pretending to be christian back then it was all bullshit it was just like an easy marketing thing yeah because then you get in those bookstores and you get to play those festivals or whatever like so yeah it's definitely like it's probably better for people to be more authentic yeah. in general rather than just i don't know what a it is still very funny though like i just never stopped thinking about those charts that were in the magazine in like focus on the family magazine that tell you if you like green day you you'll like and then i don't know like something terrible not even mxpx yeah. like whatever yeah there... i think people were mad about mxpx too they weren't like overtly christian enough yeah and that's the thing you're never unless you're like i don't know unless you're like doing like straight up worship music it like you were never Christian yeah. enough. Well, and also the people don't realize how, and that's been a funny thing with the pod too, is like explaining even like the plexiglass around the drums in a church or <laughs> stuff like that is like, people don't understand even just like, I've been, because I used to play on the worship team, I've been arguing with old people about the volume of my guitar or the loudness of the drums yeah. for my whole life. And it's like, it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of time. Yeah. Oh so, man. Well, we can, I'm sure we could like just bullshit about uh, you know '90s tooth and nail bands and <laughs> yeah. weird church culture forever. Um, <laughs> but uh, are you a 238 fan? That's I'm just they just popped into my head and 238. That's familiar, but I don't think so. Yeah, you should you should check out 238. Uh, I actually just saw a video of uh, Andy Hall from Manchester Orchestra covering a 238 song. Um, really? Yeah, they were sick. Like they're just kind of like '90s emo. Um, huh. Yeah, like real, like really fucking good. Yeah, I should have like thought. I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting that are kind of like the deeper cuts of Christian music. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, yeah, it's like it's sick to learn about something like that because also, especially if they're from back then, you know that they were getting lumped in with the worst pieces of shit from evangelicalism and not getting booked or not getting taken seriously but there's a lot of really good music that happens yeah so. um but yeah i mean also whatever it's it's just how it goes i guess People, it just yeah yeah it's just uh just nice little treats for those of us who find them yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for, you know, spending some time hanging out and talking about music and shit. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, thanks for creating what you're creating with Bigfoot 55. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, whatever. It's silly and fun, but it's, uh, I don't know. It brings, it, it makes me smile every week, so... I'm sure I'm, I'm clearly not alone in that. So, um, <laughs> yeah. thanks for talking about stupid shit on the internet. Absolutely, that's what <laughs> that's what I'm best at. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. Uh, I'll I'll send you a message when this is coming out, and I'll send you that link to that uh, Raft of Dead Monkeys movie.
All right, you just heard that smile by the hand. For those of you that are members of the Blink-155 Nation that hadn't heard the hand, that's what they sounded like. So, thank you so much to Josiah for uh, taking some time to hang out and uh, chat the other week. I really, I really enjoyed this episode a whole bunch. So, the next full episode, whenever that comes out, which hopefully will be next week, the guest is going to be my friend Brian Walker. He plays under the name A Day Without Love. He is a prolific artist and songwriter from Philadelphia. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for you guys to hear that one. I might be dropping a nice little bonus episode into your feed uh before this weekend we will see how it goes you guys know i am not always the greatest at uh releasing things on time but anyway thanks so much for listening stay safe out there